All right, it's good to be here this morning. Um, I'll tell you, I love your pastor. And uh, we have been friends for probably a good portion of seven years now. And uh, I, just, I, just, I just praise God for him. I, I don't think a lot of people know this. And I, I probably would venture to say that you don't know this. But uh, my dad passed away a couple years ago. It'll be a couple years this July. And uh, he was one of the first people that called me. And he called me and he just wept and said he loved me. That's the kind of heart that your pastor has. You go, oh man, he's amazing. Continue to hold up his hands, continue to love him. Him and his wife, Bettina, here, oh, they're so precious to us. So we consider it a great honor to be here, to be able to share with you and go through the word with you. We uh, just love them so much. Uh, God's continuing to do great things here in Refuge, and we know that there's much more to come. So anticipate great things. Anticipate great things happening. Continue to get involved, serve the Lord, and hold up your pastor's hands, and, and you know that great things will happen. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for today. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which judges the very thought and intent of our hearts, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, for everything that you're doing in our lives, Lord God, and in a, uh, whether it be on a corporate level here, Lord God, as a, as a church body, or especially on a personal level. We thank you and for those things, Lord, that you're doing that may be so evident, so vibrant. But Lord, we understand that you're also the God of detail. You're working in ways and in areas in our life that we don't even know yet. Lord, you've called us simply to trust. To trust in you, the creator in the heavens and the earth and everything in them, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you continue to move mightily, Lord God, in the lives of your people here making your way known. May you open doors that no man can shut and even close those doors that you see fit. But we welcome you this morning, Lord God. We pray for the word that you have for us this morning. We pray that our hearts may be receptive, that all the things that have happened throughout the week or even this morning is where we're getting the kids ready and trying to rush over here. We just pray, Lord, that all those cares and concerns just may be melted away and that we just sit at your feet now and seek to hear you in your voice. We thank you and we praise you. We just give you glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I love to do, I love to, um, well, I love to preach the word. I love to teach the word of God. And uh, sometimes you'll come to those scriptures that just like, they, it, it almost feels like they just lift you out of your seat. And, and this is one of those scriptures, I don't know if you've ever read, how many of you guys have read the, go- or the gospel, the, 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 the book of Joshua? How many, Joshua is an amazing book, a whole generation has passed away by now, as we get into Joshua, and in the beginning of the chapter, they're preparing their way They're preparing as a nation to cross over into the promised land. This is something that they've anticipated for centuries. A promise that's been passed on to generations. And finally, it's here. But there's still a test that needs to, be, that t- needs to take place. There, there's a call to courage. There's a, there's a call to cleanse. And there's a call to connect here in this, in this chapter 3 of Joshua, which we're going to look at in a minute. Just the first few verses. But it's a beautiful chapter. It's an amazing chapter. And, and I pray just the way it blessed me as I, I was studying for today, I pray that it blesses you. It's just an amazing chapter. But a uh, brother here was talking about uh, his, uh, about uh, his little girl's first step. You know, one of the hardest things is probably taking the first step. I remember we, uh, both our boys are here, uh, Noah and Nehemiah. Uh, Noah is seven years old. Nehemiah is five years old. 
And uh, I remember it was just there was a Facebook post that came up. I don't know if it came up in your in your in your feed, but uh, my wife Michelle is in the front row. That's why I'm, I, sometimes I talk to her. So, but you know, don't I I just do that. But uh, one of the things that came up in our post is is uh, a picture of my uncle and holding Noah, and that was the day that Noah took his first steps. That was probably one of the hardest things for for him to do, but he did it. I think in, in, in a way, it's, it's probably when, when God has called us to take a step of faith, that's one of the, the hardest things to do sometimes is to take that first step. And, and God is going to call the people of God, especially the priests, in his instructions to Joshua to just take that step, regardless of what's going on around them, regardless of the circumstances, to take that first step. So let's, let's start off in, in verse 1 of chapter 3. Why don't you turn there with me? Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days, that's important to understand, that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you seek the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set, up from your, set out from your place and go after it. There's the charge here. In Joshua 1.11, he gives us the instruction. In Joshua 1.11, if you look at that, it says, Pass through the camp. And command the people. This is God's instruction to Joshua. God is giving Joshua some instructions here, some encouragement to take courage. Maybe there was some doubt welling up in his heart. Maybe there was some concern. A whole generation had passed away. Is this really it? Lord, is the, do you really want me to lead them? Now, check this out. He goes, pass through the camp and command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days, you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So here he's called to tell the people to to relay the message, to convey the message of God to the people. And God is essentially calling the people to faith. And here Joshua is recalling the instruction. And he says, it says here in verse 3, they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark, when you see the ark, faith has a means, as we can see through Scripture. The question is, how are we going to get across? Many people's minds here, how are we going to get across? It's harvest time. The Jordan is, is, is swollen to probably a, ma- a mile long. How are we going to get across? It's just a torrent of rock. Uh, you, you see pictures, or I don't know if you've ever been to the, the rapids, the Colorado rapids. And, you know, you see these pictures of the, just the rushing torrent of water. This was essentially what was going on with the Jordan during this time. It was just a rushing torrent of water. And, and, and the instructions were, you're going to cross that in three days. But... One of the things that he says here in verse 3, when you see the ark, when you see the ark, mm, what is he saying? The ark will lead us. And what is the instruction? Go after it. The ark is symbolic of the presence of God. It's symbolic of the presence of God. That was the whole concept of having the ark, that God would dwell with his, with his people. And so when people saw the ark, they in their hearts were comforted in the fact that they knew and they understand that God was with them. And so God called the priest to take the ark and to step into the water and go into the Jordan. And the instructions for the people were to go after it. When you see the presence of God move, when God is moving, it's it's probably a good idea to go after it. 
the people in the congregation, the officers in the congregation, they said, I like that. So those were the instructions. If God is on the move, we need to be on the move too. If God is moving in our lives, we need to go after the direction that he's calling us to go in. Faith always has something in view. There's an objectivity. What is it? Healing? What is it? A decision? I believe the Spirit of God is, is moving in, in an amazing way today in the church of God, in everyday people like us. Just everyday, ordinary people. I believe that there's neighbors uh, all around us that need to know Christ. I believe that we, we have people in our backyards uh, that, well, not necessarily, you know, in our backyards, you know, if somebody's in your backyard, call the cops, but... But if, you know, I'm talking surrounding you, you know what I mean? You know, there's people that need to know Jesus Christ. There's people that need to know the Lord. Maybe the, the, the object is to see family saved. To, to see people in your, in your workplace saved. Wherever the object of your faith is this morning, make sure God is leading. And that's the encouragement that we see in Joshua chapter 3. Remember, the people saw years of passing promise. They kept the promise to generations. And finally, here's the promised land. But what is, what's, what's, what's the realization here? That they're going to have to use their feet. That they're going to have to go after it. Look at this in verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. That's important to note. There's going to be a space between you and the ark. About 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. You haven't been this way before. You've never come this way. This is the first time. Remember, back in um, uh, Numbers, they came to the, the area of Canaan, but they lacked faith. And the spies were in the land for 40 days. And, and so as a result... They, uh, their lack of faith, their doubt, there are only two men that said, let's go, let's do it. Who was it? Joshua and Caleb. And, and, and we, we see uh, God saying, well, because you lack faith, for every year, for every day that, that the, the spies were in the land, you're going to spend a year in the wilderness. So 11-day journey, right, from, from Egypt to, to um, Canaan, 11-day journey turned into 40 years. Because they doubted. And the whole generation passed away. So he says, you've never been this way before. This is the first time. But yet there's going to be a space between you and the ark. We don't know what forces will face in the future. We don't know their power or their strength. But we know that sometimes situations arise. We don't know uh, what they may be. They could be economic. They could be personal. They could be political, international. All I know is that God has called us to trust him in all things. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 says this, now the faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, what? Not seen. Mm, I love that. Not seen. Look at verse 4 again, yet there shall be a, a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it. It says, Joshua says, not too close. Keep a distance. What is he saying? In our lives, when faith is at work, we need to be careful not to go ahead of God. There needs to be a, a, a space made. We need to allow God to work. Sometimes we like to take the reins of our life and say, this is the way it works. This is the way it's supposed to happen. This is the way it's supposed to take place. And, and, and really, His ways are higher than our ways. And God all the while is saying, let me, let me take control. Let me work. Let there be a space between me and you. Allow me to go before you and you just follow. Allow me to take the lead. Allow me to take the reins of your life, the controls of your life. And Joshua says, not too close. Remember, Gideon. Gideon, in the, big, in the beginning, what? he believed in numbers. Yeah, right? Remember that? Gideon believed in numbers. And, and, and God whittled his numbers all the way down to 300 men to go against this vast Midianite army. Remember that? He said, anyone that wants to go home to your mommy, 
go home to your mommy. And, and thousands of guys left. And then the second time, go down to the brook, uh, the, the springs there. And, and have the men drink. And those that bring the water up to their mouth, those are the ones that you keep. The ones that put their face in the water, those guys you tell them to go home. And the ones that, the ones that numbered, that, that brought their, the, the water up to their mouths, they, they kept their eyes on the horizon. They kept their eyes on the enemy. Those were the men that God kept. 300 in number. And God used that 300 in number to defeat the Midianite army. Gideon at first believed in numbers. He said, okay, we could, we could, we could handle the 32,000. We could handle that number. We, we, could, we could do good with this number. Right? God takes it all the way down to 300. Why? Because God wanted him to trust. He wanted Gideon to trust in him. There needed to be a space between him and God. He needed to allow God to work so that God got the glory. God desires to get the glory in the things that are happening in your life. God desires to work in your life in ways that you and I cannot even comprehend. I think it's time, especially in these last days, I, I would venture to say that these are some last days. We see how things are lining up uh, according to Ezekiel 38. We see how uh, more than ever, we see the allies that are uh, being, uh, the alignments that are being made in the Middle East, and oh man, you know what, we are so close. But still, in these last days, I believe that God is going to do great things. I believe that, that revival is on the cusp. I really feel that. But God is saying, allow me to lead. Have the faith of like Joshua. Remember, Joshua took his armor bearer. I love that story. When he took his armor bearer, he says, hey, we're going to go defeat these Philistines right now. Just me and you. What? Remember, Saul was a coward. His dad was a coward. Basically, at, during this time, he was holding, holding back and worried about the Philistine army. And here, in the middle of the night, Joshua says, or uh, uh, Jonathan says, let's, let's go. Jonathan and his armor bearer, remember that? And he says, if, if, if the men say, if the Philistines say, come up, man, victory is ours. But if they say, oh, we'll come down to you, oh, okay, we'll split, <laughs> basically. They went up to the mountain, and what did they, they called out to the Philistines. The Philistines called back, hey, come on up. Hey, victory was there. And what happened? Just Jonathan and his armor bearer just tore, about, tore, tore that army up, the Philistines. They, they, the great earthquake, what happened? A great earthquake came and shook and just confused the Philistines, and they were defeated. Imagine that. And Saul, after Jonathan had done all the work, he sees him and he goes after, after the Philistine army. But Jonathan, already by a man of faith, had already committed himself to the Lord and knew what the Lord can do. He knew. And so this is a new chapter. This is a new adventure with, with the people of God here. And, and since it's all new, God is saying, let me do it. Let me guide you. You've never been this way before. Oftentimes, when, when God has called us to take a step of faith, we've never been there before. It's never happened in our life before. And God is saying, let me do it. Let me, let me help you through. Let me guide you. And just trust in Him. Faith is believing. I, I, I heard it said, Pastor Chuck Smith said this, faith is believing in the absence of understanding. You may not know completely what's going on. But one thing we know and we lean upon is the fact that God sees all things and knows all things from beginning to end. There was a young girl that was taking a train ride for the first time, and she's not accustomed to, to taking a, a train uh, for travel. And so uh, she found out that they needed to go over several rivers and streams, and she had no idea how the train was going to get over these rivers and streams. And, and eventually what happened is is that when they hit the first river, there was a bridge that she saw in a distance, and the, the train went right over this bridge, and then it repeated the process every time uh, the river, another river would come by or another stream would come by, and, and, and she began to lean back in her chair and just relax at the fact that there were bridges built. 
And, the, and then she, she shouted to her dad who was sitting next to her, God has built bridges for us all the way. Hmm. I think that's life. We fear so many evils. We fear so many circumstances. Troubles look dark ahead and so many difficulties. And they seem insurmountable and they, they loom uh, about us. But as we advance and we find the way through them, we realize that God has built bridges all the way. God will go before us. Now look at this. They hear the call to trust, but there's a call to cleansing too. There's a call to purity. Look at verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. There's a cleansing that takes place. Now, there, now think about this. It's three days. They see the river before them, and God has called them to spiritual readiness. Some of them may be concerned. There's a rushing river, and God is saying, you're going you're gonna to cross that. And think about this. The waters come from Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, you, you, if you ever go to Israel, it's a snow-capped mountain. One of the only snow-capped mountains that you'll see out there. Mount Hermon is a snow-capped mountain. It's believed the mount, uh, to be the Mount of Transfiguration, if you ever go to Israel, where, where Jesus took his disciples up to the high mountain, Mount Hermon. Well, the waters, as the snow melts, uh, the Bible speaks about the dew that, that melts upon Mount Hermon. It comes down and it goes into the, into the Jordan River. And that water is not only a torrent of, river, a torrent of water right now, but, but it's freezing. If you've ever been to Israel and you've been baptized in the Jordan, you know what I'm talking about. It's freezing. They have wetsuits for the pastors when they start doing the baptisms. They have, man, it's so cold. And because sometimes the pastors could be in there from, um, you know, for anywhere up to a half hour baptizing people. They, they had a, a wetsuit hanging there. That, uh, they said uh, these were for the pastors, these wetsuits. And I, I remember hearing that Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, founder of Calvary Chapel, would go in there and sometimes after they were done, after he was done baptizing, he, he would do multiple trips to Israel. They would have to lift him out of the water. He wouldn't wear a wetsuit. But they would have to lift him out. He couldn't move his legs anymore, but it's freezing. So they're, they're thinking, man, this water is so cold, and, and we have to cross that thing. And it's a mile long. What are we going to do? Well, the first thing that God's called them to do is to have faith, and then the second thing is to be cleansed. So God knows what he wants to do, and it's something amazing. It's something great. And I think that's something to always keep in mind. God always wants to do something amazing, something great, something beyond your, your belief, right? Something beyond your imagination, should I say? Something that defies your logic and my logic. But his desire is to do, that's why it's called wonders. He wants to do wonders in your life, the Bible says. Now, that verse 5 says this, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The New Living Translation says, The Lord is going to do great wonders before you. Mm. He knows that God can do great wonders. And here he's encouraging his people, Joshua is. He's seen God do amazing things. He's seen God do great wonders. He's He's a man who totally trusts in the Lord. And I think there's a critical lesson here for us. If we want God to act in mighty ways in our lives and in our world, we need to stand before him in purity. He's calling the, the people of God to cleanse themselves, to sanctify themselves, to separate themselves unto God. One of the things that we find that when we commit our ways to the Lord, he releases us and sets us free. He cleanses us. And that's where it starts. Um... For some people, this is kind of scary. And I have to be candid. There's, for some people, this is uncomfortable to pursue purity. Because why? They're comfortable. We like our sin. We like our lifestyle. We're used to it. And they come to a point where they're learning how to cope with it. They learn how to rationalize sin. And it becomes a way of life. And, and then they come to the point where they, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. That's just the way I worship the Lord. That's just, really. But God has called us to be pure. Confession is tough. 
isn't it? Confession is tough because you're saying, I'm wrong. And you're right. Sometimes it's tough. And God has called us to purify ourselves. Leviticus chapter, in the first five chapters deal with cleansing. Voluntary, necessary cleansing. It was voluntary and it was necessary to approach to God. Or to approach God. We see that in the first five chapters of Leviticus. Robert Murray McShane, he just, if you ever read his memoir, Robert Murray McShane, he's a great, he, he, he died at a very early age, but he accomplished so much. I believe he died at the age of 20 or 21. But he accomplished so much in his very limited years of ministry. He says this, In great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, that's you and I, we are God's instrument, will be the success. It is not great talents, God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister, that's, that's not just the pastor, that's anybody who serves in ministry, the worship leader, anybody who's in children's ministry, a teacher, serving in hospitality, ushering, the holy minister, anyone who serves the Lord. Listen to this. A holy minister is a powerful weapon in the hand of God. I love that. Joshua says, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders wonders among you. Purify yourselves. Sanctify, it says here. The word is kadash, means to prepare or to set apart in the Hebrew. And so it's setting in. There's godly anticipation. What will happen? All of a sudden, you you could sense, in some people there may be tension, in some uh, people exhilaration. We're finally going in. In some people, there's, there's fear. Think about it. They're looking at this, and God says this. You notice, he says three days. So for three days, they're sitting on the shore, looking at this water go by. They're looking at this water. They're just, you know, and, and it, it's sometimes when you look at something long enough, and, and you think about all the things that can go wrong, you know, you, it's what happens. You, you start cringing inside. You start getting nervous inside. You start sweating and you start wondering what's going to happen. And, and, and what is God doing? He's prompting their faith. Every day is a day to trust in Him. And the result of their faith will be seen. One thing that's good is I love I love uncertainty. I think there's a degree of uncertainty here in, as they ready to cross the Jordan. I think there's, there's value in that. Because uncertainty, what it does is it leads us to total dependence on God. Doesn't it? It leads you to totally depend on, on what God sees and what He knows. And what He's able to do. It forces me to put my life in harmony with the power of God. The Bible says I could do all things. You know the scripture. What does it say? I could do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Oh, man. That's great, isn't it? That's, that's probably one of the first scriptures, besides this one right here, that, that I knew by heart when I first came to the Lord. I could do all things through Christ. And that's exactly where God wants us. He wants us in Christ and to do things through Him in his strength, in his ability to perceive people through his eyes, ministry through his eyes, and be faithful. But be careful. We could also program failure into our lives. We could always be, we could say, well, I can never do that. Uh, and so if we, if we continue to say, I can never do that, I can't cross that Jordan, well, maybe you won't. But God is calling us to trust. And, and so I love... I found this quote. It says, unknown, but it says, faith is the harmony, or is harmony with the power of God and harmony with His direction. Mm, I love that. You train believing in as a result of faith. I'm trusting and I'm knowing. And, you know, for the Christian, what is, what is, what is you know, when, 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 you, when you have belief or hope, hope is what? Hope is, hope is knowing, isn't it? It's not just wishful thinking. And, and here, whenever we say we hope in God, we believe and we trust in God. 
That's the whole idea of hope in our life. It's not wishful thinking. So believing is, it, it, God is, is the best place to be. Believing, the result is faith, and God will do great things. And faith has an expectation that God is moving. Hebrews 11.1, 1, like I said again, substance of the things hoped for. Hope, knowing. It's not wishful thinking. So if we want God to use us, we need to pure, be pure vessels. And here, God is calling to be pure and to purify their lives. They need to be pure in their life. Um, before they cross over, before God is able to move through their lives. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, the brother, uh, our brother uh, was sharing that uh, before communion. If we, confess, if, if we confess our sins, he'll be faithful and just to, to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. First John 1 John 1.9. In Titus chapter 2, 12-14, we should leave, live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own people, zealous for good works. So we see a charge. There's a request or a call to cleanse, a call to, to trust and a call to cleanse, but there's also a call to connect here. And here in these last few verses that we're going to look at, in verses 7 through 17, we have Joshua's exhortation. Look at this. And the Lord said to Joshua this day, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who hear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Notice the obedience of Joshua to the word of the Lord. Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail. Notice that. Underline those words. He without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. And behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord... The Lord of all the earth, notice that, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, and that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge. Notice that. They probably just, their, their big toe, let's see if this happens. You know, let's do it. As soon as the tip of their foot dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all of its banks. Notice that during the whole time of harvest. Notice God said it. That the waters which came down from, the up, from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord notice that what does it say stood firm mm. Joshua's success depends on the promise of 1-8 
You look at Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. All those are sound words. The word of God. How easy it is. Oh, you know what? I just don't feel like opening it. Oh, you know what? I'm just too tired. Oh, I've had, I've had a long day. Oh, I'm in a hurry. And this so often gets put on the shelf. When, when we look at the key to success and the key to prospering spiritually is right here. It's right here in the Word. It's in the very pages that you possess that are sitting on your lap or on your phone or on your iPad in front of you. The words of the Lord. When we see Joshua's proclamation, and actually it's God's proclamation, he's proclaiming the word of the Lord, and he says, hear God's word. And what does he say? The Lord goes before you. Look at verse 9. He says, the Lord goes before you. Notice that. And what happens? They're trusting. They've purified themselves according to God's word. And Joshua's proclaiming victory already. He's proclaiming God making the way. And what is it going to do? It's going to create boldness in the people of God. Remember chapter 1. Remember three days. They're looking at this. And God, had, of course, the enemy could come in and say, look at that water. Look at that water. Look at it. How, how, how vast it is. How cold it is. Look at how it just rushes by. And just like the disciples, when they were in the boat, when they were trying to manage their their boat through that sea, remember that? The first watch, the second watch, the third watch, remember that? The fourth watch, 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, 3 to 6 in the morning is the fourth watch. One of the most difficult watches as a seaman, staying awake. And they're toiling at the, at, the, at the oars, trying to manage this boat. They're looking at the waves. They're looking at the wind. They're, 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 they're being hit on the left and hit on the right by water. And, and all of a sudden, who comes walking on the water in the Sea of Galilee? Jesus himself. And the Bible says that the disciples thought it was a ghost. They didn't even recognize Jesus because they were so consumed with what was going on in front of them that they neglected to realize it was Jesus at first. Imagine the enemy probably coming into the, to, to, to the camp of the people and saying, look at this water for three days, trying to harass them, trying to get their eyes on the physical, when God all the while is trying to get their eyes on the, phys- uh, the spiritual. That's the whole idea for, for purifying yourself, trusting Him. Get your eyes on the spiritual. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says several times, he says, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. He had his eyes always on the spiritual. You know, you, you've probably heard uh, as you study the scriptures here, as, as Pastor Raul faithfully, faithfully teaches the scriptures, you know what Paul went through. You understand the persecutions and the pressures that he went through. But he said, these are but for a moment. Hmm. These things that I go through are but for a moment. But there is so much more. There is so much more eternal weight of glory. Hmm. So as soon as the priests, they're burying the ark, they put their feet in the river, the river stopped 20 miles upstream from where they went in, 20 miles upstream towards Adam and back towards the Dead Sea. The response of the faith of the people here. The New Living Translation says it this way in verse 15, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water began piling up at a town upstream called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. I think unless we get our feet wet, we don't, we don't make much progress in living for Christ and serving Him. Each step that the priest took opened the water until they were standing on dry ground. When God opened the Red Sea, He used a strong wind. 
And here he uses the feet of the priest. Moses lifted his rod, remember that? And the winds begin to flow. And, and when he lowers his rod, the waters flowed back and, and drowned. Remember that? Drowned the Egyptian army and, and after they crossed. But God always goes before his people. Unless we're willing to step out in faith and obey his word, God will never open the way for us. But God has called us to step out in faith. I'm reminded of the flood. Remember the flood. Well, we don't probably personally remember the flood, but there was a flood. And remember Noah, he, he built that ark, and he was building that ark. You, you think about it, in the middle, on the other side of the mountains over here, the mountain range, is, is what is it, the Mojave? Mojave Desert. Mojave Desert. Imagine uh, somebody going in the middle of the Mojave Desert, and they're building a boat. That's essentially what he was doing. It never rained. And for 200 years, he's building this boat hammering away and people just mocking him and ridiculing him. And he was sharing with them, God's judgment is coming. You should jump in the boat with me. Come on. Let's do this. Have faith. That was the faith of Noah. Remember that? And you think about it. Noah, he jumps in this boat with his family. Only eight people were saved. But Jesus is the fulfillment of this ark. He is Emmanuel, God with us, the Bible says, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. And he was with Noah in that flood. Noah had faith. Jesus cleared the way to victory in all things in our life. Remember that. And he continues to clear the way of victory. The Bible says he's disarmed the principalities and powers. He's made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. So God has called us to keep our eyes on him. Keep our eyes on the cross. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on what he's done for us. If there's a difficulty before you this morning, as we cast our eyes upon Jesus, understand and know this, that the riverbed of difficulty will be dried up in Christ. As you trust in him. Today we, may, we must, some of us may be up a, uh, up against a, a torrent of difficulties or situations in our life. Maybe it's a heavy decision. Well, God is calling you to allow him to go before him. And notice what happens here. And I'm going to close with this. As the priests go into the Jordan, in every way, every step that they make, the water opens up more and more and more until they get to the middle of the riverbed. And it says, remember in verse 17, what does it say? It says they stood firm. And what does that mean? They stood still. And what were they carrying? They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, right? Stand still right there and just wait and allow the people to cross. Allow the people to cross. And it's not until the last person the last person comes through that you begin to walk out. Why did he Why did he have the priest stand there? Because he wanted all of us to know that no matter what we're up against, no matter what the difficulty, he's going to stand with us in that situation. Just like he stood with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fire, that furnace. Remember that fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar looks in and says, didn't we throw three guys in there? Why do we see that? There's another, there's a fourth one, and the fourth looking like the son of, son of God. Well, the Ark of the Covenant was symbolic of God, God's presence. And here, the priest stood with the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of this riverbed as they walked through. He wanted them to know that he is with them. He is Emmanuel. He is with you today. He understands what you're going through. He understands your life in the most intimate of details. And he's calling you just to trust. Don't look at what's before you, but look to him. Have faith and trust in him. He has conquered sin and death once and for all. He has gone to the cross so that you can have everlasting life, first of all. But not only that, so you can have access to his throne room at any time to find mercy and help in the time of need, according to the scriptures. He is there for you. And he's conquered sin and death for you once and for all.
how much more should we look to him, the author and finisher of our faith? He is for you. If God be for you, who could be against you, the Bible says. Remember that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace and your mercy. And we thank you so much, Lord, for just the, the power of your spirit in our lives. We ask, Lord, that you continue just to strengthen your people here this morning, Lord God. We thank you for the fact that you have gone to the cross for us so that sin wouldn't hold us at a distance any longer, Lord God. So that we would have the opportunity to be seen in your Son, Jesus Christ. We know, Lord, in and of ourselves, we cannot satisfy the requirements of heaven. But, Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, you went to the cross to die for us. You satisfied all the requirements of heaven as you lived and you died. And the receipt is in the fact that you rose again from the dead. So that we could be assured of our hope in you and the hope of our salvation. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that, Father, you sent your Son to the cross to die for us. Lord God, we realize that. We recognize that we're sinners. Every single one of us. The Bible says we fall short of the glory of God every single day. We know that sin is universal because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Everybody dies. Every single one of us will meet death one day. And that's the result of sin coming into this world. But Lord, you've given us the hope of heaven. So that when we breathe our last breath here in this world, we'll breathe our first in heaven. But Lord, you've called us to repent. You've called us, Lord, to to come to you to sanctify ourselves and to come to you, Lord God, and in, in that sanctification, Lord God, in that consecration. So that you would, you would purify us and you would consecrate us, Lord God, unto yourself. You do the work, Lord. You do the washing and the cleansing, Lord. You clean your fish after you catch them, if you will. And we thank you, Lord, for the fact that your word says, him who comes to you in no way will you cast out. We come to you the way we are. In whatever circumstance, whatever sin, you've called us just to humbly come before you and you'll take care of the rest. So if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, maybe the Lord has been speaking to your life and speaking to your heart. It's almost like there's so many things that have been going through your day and it's like you sense the voice of the Lord speaking to you to commit your life to Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've grown comfortable in a life of sin and you've been rationalizing and you know that the Bible is very explicit with what you require. Or what God requires. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to just set the record straight and commit your life totally and completely to Him. So, I don't like to let any opportunity pass by. So if you're here and you don't know Christ, I want you to just do something simple. you want to commit your life to Christ this morning, just raise your hand right now and I'll pray a simple prayer with you to receive Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior this morning. Anybody right now? 
It's between you and God. Don't worry about who you came with or if you've been invited by somebody and you're worried about what they're going to think. Well, you know what? The Bible says that we're going to stand before God alone. We're not going to have anybody to vouch for us. We're not going to have our grandparents to vouch for us, our parents to vouch for us. He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus Christ? You heard the message. You heard the gospel. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, just raise your hand right now and I'll pray a simple prayer with you to receive Christ in your heart as Lord and Savior right now. Anybody. I don't like to let any opportunity pass by. If you feel the Lord speak in your heart this morning, the Bible says, like it says in the wall here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that's a promise. That's the hope that we have. And remember, hoping is knowing. So if you're here this morning, just raise your hand. I'll pray a simple prayer with you. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for just the privilege and the honor to be here, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for Pastor Rawl. May you just continue to have your hand upon him and the men that are in Haiti. Just bring safety to their lives, Lord God, as they travel. May you continue just to be with Bettina, Lord God, and just strengthen her as she continues, Lord, just to be that support to Pastor Raw, Lord God, and to the many people here in this church, Lord. And I just thank you so much, Lord, for uh, their lives and their example. I thank you so much, Lord, for this church. May you just continue to allow this church to, just to be that beacon of light to this community, Lord God. If there's people passing by or driving by the signs that say refuge, that you may put it in their hearts to come here and to hear what you have to say. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We thank you so much for this beautiful day, and we commit it to you, Lord. And it's our heart to live for you and to continue to maintain and making those steps for you because we know that you'll be faithful in clearing the way. We pray that you quench any attempt of the enemy upon our lives, Lord God. The Lord, that when we gather strength, may it be found in you and not in anything that the world has to offer. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We give you glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Love you guys.